Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hi, and welcome to the Rethink Retail Show. In this episode, I'm joined by my guest, Ken Winko. Ken is the Vice President of Marketing at Barnes & Noble College, a Barnes & Noble subsidiary that operates nearly 800 campus bookstores for top academic institutions such as Harvard, Yale, and the University of Pennsylvania. Prior to BNC, Ken held Chief Marketing Officer roles at Cision, PR Newswire, and Workwave, a field service software tech startup. He's held senior level marketing roles at Dun & Bradstreet, ADP, Citigroup, and IBM. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. I appreciate you being here. And I wanted to ask before we jump in, because you are located in the Jersey, New York area, and I know that was one of the hardest place hits by the coronavirus pandemic. So how has the quarantine life been for you there? Uh, interesting to say the least. I think <laughs> what's ironic about how it's impacted this area is that, you know, we're so used to such a fast pace. And then just to have things slow down so dramatically, it's definitely an adjustment, whether that's from a work perspective and, you know, you know, it could be a commute, right? And now none of us are commuting or very, very few of us to even just the work-life balance piece. You know, there are less activities, obviously, for kids. So, you know, from that perspective as a parent, um, and then, of course, the adjustment to balancing the online learning with your professional career. So definitely been an adjustment, but I think try to stay positive and I think makes you reflect and, and be grateful for some of the things that maybe you didn't recognize previously. It really does. And being, it's funny that you said going from being very fast paced to slow, because I have noticed that, I mean, the energy in the Jersey and New York area is so high. And just from personal experience, emailing people based in those areas, they respond the fastest. <laughs> So yeah, I can imagine that. And online learning, I mean, gosh, it's such a big switch. And I know that it's probably something that's close to your heart working uh, for Barnes and Noble College. With the colleges closed right now and, and distance learning, the sudden shift to that, how has that impacted things with you at your career in Barnes and Noble College? From a career perspective, what really interested me in Barnes and Noble College is when I was going to graduate school at NYU, I actually was, you know, I was a marketing information systems major, and I had the opportunity to work for the university in marketing while I was there. And one of my jobs was actually to help develop the marketing programs for their campus cash program. And we launched that. And it was Mm. part of the job was to get merchants to accept the card and offer discount, of course, at all their establishments, you know, within that area, you know, in, in New York. And then on the other side of it was, you know, how do you get parents and students engaged? So in some ways, actually, and I love that role, it was a great preparation for my role now. And I I really loved being in academia in terms of, you know, because that was retail, you know, it was a a blend of retail and academia. And so when the opportunity came to join Barnes Noble College, it was for me something that I was very excited about. As far as the impact of COVID, one of the things that we have done is, so we released a, or we're about to release a survey publicly in terms of what has been the impact of COVID on learning and career. And, you know, for students, 
um, certainly, you know, learning continues to be a challenge. And once again, our research, our survey shows that over 55% of students say that they're struggling to make that adjustment. And, you know, and it's for various reasons. It's connectivity, it's distraction, in some cases, it's assistance. So that certainly, you know, is understandable for sure. And then on top of that, what also is really striking is that there is a very big concern in terms of what impact COVID is going to have on their academic and professional plans. So over half of students indicated they're considering changing what those plans are. And that could be, for example, going to graduate school, seeking additional training for professional skills, delaying a job search, you know, maybe a changing their major, taking a semester off. So all of those things are, are happening right now. And then I think the final piece of it and how it's impacting the students on the campus is that over 70% of them work in some capacity, either part-time or full-time. Okay. And that's undergrad as well? That is undergrad. Correct. That's including undergrad. And what's interesting about it, obviously, too, is, and this is very logical, is that 44% said that the pandemic has affected their ability to pay for college. And, you know, that's most commonly either job loss or decreased hours. And then, of course, you have the impact on parents as well, where parents are furloughed, unfortunately, or potentially maybe took a pay cut or lost their job. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of stress. I mean, there was already a high level of stress. And now, you know, it's been exacerbated through this situation. So what we're trying to do at Barnes-Noble College is to find ways where we can help really alleviate some of those challenges where we can. Absolutely. And I love that you brought those stats with you today, Ken, because they're very relevant and recent with the changes that are being made to how students learn and what sort of channels they're connecting with teachers on. And do you think that we will return back to hard print ever? I mean, is everything going to be fully digital within the next five years? It's it's interesting because a lot of, you know, even when I came to Barnes Noble College a couple of years ago, there had been a lot of talk about the demise of print. And over half the students still buy at least one print material. And some students still prefer to learn through print as a method. So I think, I don't see it going completely away. I mean, is there definitely a shift to digital? Absolutely. And, you know, certainly that's been something that I know we'll probably talk about this in terms of what we're doing to help support the students. And some of that is digital course materials, for sure, as well as other support and resources that we provide. At the same time, the print piece is a preference for, you know, over 40% of the students in terms of how they enjoy learning. And, and, you know, it depends, of course, on their major and type of course. So that's where I think it's definitely a big shift in terms of shift in digital. And yet I think print will still have a role. So I don't think it'll completely go away, but I do think digital will continue to accelerate. Mm -hmm, Certainly. And I think people sometimes forget, you know, most, the majority of people are visual learners and there's some auditory and then there's kinetic and some, you know, are a mix, but for kinetic learners, a physical book is very important to the learning process. Absolutely. It's tactile, you know, you get your your highlighter. I mean, it it really depends on on how people, (laughs) yeah, how people learn. Right. And I'm being somewhat sarcastic because that's, you know, when I was in grad school, that's what I did, but, but, uh, (laughs) you know, we have three daughters and, you know, they're certainly taking online courses, you know, exclusively right now, but they're still studying through textbooks, but then they're also using digital courseware too. So it's really a blend, I think, 
in terms of what that expectation is. Yeah, and it's interesting because before we hopped on this episode, I read some news that almost exactly one year ago, the London-based publisher Pearson, most people probably have heard of them, announced their digital-first textbook strategy. So they no longer reprint every year, and it's more you know every three to five years, and they're updated digitally more often. Is this what you're seeing with most publishers nowadays? Do you think that the pandemic is accelerating this? Oh, yeah, certainly. I think, especially when you think about delivery, I mean, one of the things that we do is we do a major study every year called Student Pulse, and we have hundreds of thousands of students who respond to that survey. And a big data point for you is that over in our latest survey, which once again, we'll be releasing publicly um, probably in the next couple of weeks is that over 57% of students say they weren't prepared on the first day of class. And that's for various reasons, which we could get into. But I think that, especially in light of this situation where you have distance learning, et cetera, et cetera, um, and even going back to campus. Now, a lot of, as you know, many schools are now announcing they're going back to campus. Now, there are certain schools and certain systems that are going to be going virtual. But, you know, my alma mater, Notre Dame, is going back mid-August, and they're going to go straight through all the way through Thanksgiving. So I guess my point with that is that, yes, in some cases, so we want to make sure whether it's print material or digital material, that we get that in the hands of the students on that first day. So we have a program called First Day Complete, where every single student on campus gets their course material on or before the first day of class. And that could be print, you know, whether that's a rental, new used, what have you, or digital. And of course, the benefit of digital is that you once you once you select it online, you get immediate access once you process that. So there is obviously availability is faster, right? And that's certainly something there's obviously added convenience to that too. But we want to make sure that we provide the flexibility to the students, to the parents to be able to say like, look, you can choose and we're, we're here for you no matter what. And one of the benefits that we have at Barnes Noble College is we own the complete supply chain. So mm-hmm. when you asked about publishers, you know, whether yeah. it's McGraw-Hill, et cetera. So we have a, a business unit, MBS, based out of Missouri, who has a warehouse. And that has really paid a lot of dividends for us because we're able to get those print materials to the students. And one of the things that we did through this situation is we were able to not only supply course materials, but we actually sent them to the students with free shipping. So, I mean, that's, you know, we, we traditionally haven't done that in the past, but it's something that we're doing as a service to the students, to the parents, and to the administration for the campuses that we serve. That's amazing. That's good. It's good to hear because, you know, it's been shown in recent studies that most consumers really value not only when a brand or a company talks about their concerns and how they're protecting their own employees during the pandemic, but then also helps with the social causes and helps alleviate some of the challenges especially that students are facing because you said, you know, 70% work in addition to going to college and many of them, you know, are out of a job right now or can't work. So that's really great. And you mentioned this annual survey you did, the Student Pulse. And, you know, as you and I from marketing backgrounds, I'm really curious because marketers love to categorize by generations. So Generation Z is the majority of college students right now people born between 1997 and 2012. So anyone who's currently between eight and 23 years old, is there things that you've seen at BNC that are clearly different when it comes to uh, Gen Z versus Gen X, the millennials, boomers? Yeah, sure. So let's start with Gen Z. 
once again, we've done a Gen Z report that's available on our website, and we continue to do consistently and continuous research on Gen Z, what their preferences are, what their behavior is through our student insights practice. And so Gen Z, from a uh, you know behavioral perspective, they're empathetic, they're very accepting, they're open-minded, they're compassionate and kind, and they want to make a difference. So in our research, 93% of them say they believe in standing up for and helping others. And also they have this sense of independence and confidence. So 88% of them believe in their individual ability to be, do, and achieve anything. So, you know, they definitely want to make a difference. And, and when we talk about going forward, and I'm happy to chat about this with you, is, you know, what, how do you market to them? What works? What doesn't work? I think there are definitely things that you have to treat them in a unique way versus, you know, Gen X, for example, or any other generation. So, you know, for them, once again, our research actually backs up that 63% select brands that mirror their core values. And when I talked about, you know, who they are, it's success, self-actualization, authenticity is critical, purpose, learning, uh, friendship, adventure, you know, having some fun too along the way. So they definitely feel empowered. And so brands need to be able to reflect what those core values are in their marketing and merchandising to be able to connect with them. The environment is very, very important to them. In our research, over 70% of them say that they will shop more or purchase more if the materials are sustainable or you know the practices of that organization are sustainable. And also from a values perspective in terms of making a difference, an interesting piece in our latest survey that we did was that 72% of the students said that they would purchase more or support the campus store when they know that some of those proceeds of every sale are going back to support the university or college. Wow. Okay. That's a big number. I don't think millennials would have voted that way. Yeah. And so I think that's very, very interesting. And then we talked about, of course, that a lot of them are working, right? And while over half of them have their parents help pay for tuition, there's still a you know large proportion, as I mentioned, over 70% that work either part-time or full-time. And you know, as you know, we serve your large four-year publics. We serve small and large privates. We serve community colleges. And so what we're seeing, obviously, is a big shift to in non-traditional, right, and first generation. So we're seeing increases in terms of the student population in those areas. And so it's how do you support them? And then how do you help them find balance in their academic journey? And so once again, you know, in a large majority, and I'm sure when you went to school and I went to school, we found it stressful. The majority of them feel the same way. And so now what's really interesting about it, too, is how do you support them academically, So we have a service called Bartleby, which has learning and writing components and tutoring where when they have challenge, you know, the institutions are having trouble supporting. Obviously, now you have all these students who are virtual right now. Now they'll get back to campus, but they're looking at models to say, how do we support them in virtual in a bigger way versus just in person as well, right? Let's say for mental health. And we can help support them from a tutoring perspective. We can help support them with learning resources that, that complement their course materials, as well as writing tools as well. So as they're writing their papers, once again, to help reduce stress, help improve and drive achievement. So we're doing those things there. And then, of course, there's things on the retail side that we're trying to do to improve convenience as well. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. You, is that the resources you mentioned to supplement their existing course materials? Is that in-house through a BNC-owned platform or what is that? Like? That is correct. Yeah, so Bartleby is a Barnes & Noble education business that we leverage at Barnes & Noble College, obviously. 
and provide to the students on campuses. So it's a direct-to-student model. So, you know, we're starting to partner potentially with institutions on programs to help supplement what they do as well. And for different delivery options, is is there like buy online, pick up in the bookstore nowadays? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on for Bartleby specifically, it is digital only. So it oh, is... Okay. Yeah, which is great. So it's, it's, and it ties directly to their course materials, right? Like, so you've got a biology course, and then you can get supplemental learning tools, right? Resources available to that you can access through a subscription. Or, you know, if it's, uh, let's say you're an English major, an English course, you know, writing help and assistance. So, as far as in store, when you talk about print materials, we've instituted a number of different things. One is curbside pickup. So, you know, you walk up, you can order obviously online, and then we will come meet you at the door, right? And certainly, you know, uh, safety and health are a huge priority for us, for our customers, as well as our staff. So we've instituted a broad set of measures on that side, including social distancing measures, of course, as you would expect, plus off-limit areas, obviously limiting capacity, all of those things that you would expect us to do. So we're working with all of our school partners to implement that as we reopen all of those stores across campuses, across the country. And then we've also added in, you know, besides the curbside piece, as you know, we talked about free shipping to add that convenience. And then big thing, you know, for us, a big focus for us, and this kind of goes back to the Gen Z question, they're also very experiential. So for us, we want to continue that. So now does that look different in the fall? Certainly it will. So will we still have VIP events? Yes, we are. You know, we will have VIP events and we'll say, you know what? You want to pick a time to come through? Sure. Let's get a group of 10 and we social distance through that experience. So we're not going to have, you know, 50 or hundred people at a time. Maybe we reduce the numbers that come through. They can contact us and they can arrange an appointment to come in. Right. So almost sort of like personal shopping. So we're setting up all of those kinds of things to improve convenience, but yet still drive engagement and still drive a great experience. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it. And is curbside pickup, is that something that you guys offered before the pandemic or was that something you had to quickly put together when it started? No, that's new for us. We had probably done it on a case-by-case basis, but not nationwide. And now that's something that we're partnering with each and every one of our stores on a customized basis and working with the schools to implement right now, actually. Mm -hmm. And is that challenging to implement or is that process have some kinks? Because I know obviously for retail, people talked about offering curbside pickup for years and it didn't happen. And then, you know, boom, the pandemic hits, they roll it out and yeah, it's not great, but it's getting there. So is that kind of the same for you guys? Um, Just considering it's nationwide rollout? Yeah. And I tell you what, our operations team, our store teams do a fantastic job, our merchandising teams. Certainly there's a marketing component, myself and our marketing team. You know, we work very closely with all of those groups. We have to be able to scale to be able to do this profitably and to drive growth. And at the same time, we customize. So we have to be flexible at a local level, which we do. And so we really, I think, have what we've been working on, you know, while we were kind of going through a position where, you know, some of the stores, you know, most of our stores have been closed was, you know, saying, how do we reconfigure our operations? So we took that time and said, okay, what do we be do- need to be doing now as we reopen? So we've been working really, really hard and, and moving quickly to implement some of these things. Another thing, for example, that we're probably maybe more of a case by case basis is delivery to the dorm room which is Mm -hmm. cool. So I know that there's a campus that uh, I was talking to last week that we're going to be partnering on a program for that, where when the freshmen come in, their course materials are going to be there sitting for them waiting in their dorm. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, which is great, right? I mean, I would have loved that. And of course, we're also looking at other kinds of things like with bundles, right? Like which we offer to our institutions where it might be general merchandise bundle. For right now, it's graduates. 
It's one of the things that we have partnered with some schools where they said, you know what, we are not having an in-person graduation. Some may be thinking about that now, but they were doing a virtual graduation and they still wanted to send a package to their students, right, to congratulate them. So we partnered with them to create okay, well, they get their diploma frame, they get a pennant, they get whatever it might be um, Mm -hmm, that it's all packaged together and sent to them. So it's like those things, once again, especially for Gen Z are very, very important and help them feel special, help them feel connected and engaged. Mm -hmm, Because you said they are comparatively more experiential as a group in terms of what they like. And you said VIP groups are something BNC offers. What what does that mean when you say VIP groups? Oh, so what we do for incoming freshmen, we call them VIP nights, where when they come to campus, we will arrange basically a special tour for them. We're here as a resource. So whether it's how do they select course materials to maybe picking out the best supplies or hear new arrivals from a fashion perspective. So it's really giving them that high touch. What's really, really interesting about Gen Z when you look once again at our student pulse research is that while they're the digital natives and the first generation that really grew up, you know, digitally, they really love to be in person, meet with people from a social perspective. And so, you know, we see a large majority of them shop in store and prefer to shop in store, whether that's for course materials or for supplies and merchandise. Wow, that's actually a bit surprising. Yeah, and according to our latest research, over 80% have visited the store in the last six months. Now that was probably before COVID, you know, and we haven't done that another study since the impact of this, but we do do uh, poll research and things like that. But, you know, definitely, they definitely, that kind of talks to that experiential piece and component of it. So once again, as we look at reopening and how it relates to Gen Z and how we cater to them, I had a meeting with my team this morning and we were talking about, okay, well, we're adjusting and we're reviewing our plan for events. So we are going to continue to hold events on campus for sure. So we're just going to improve the convenience and how they do that. Like, you know, for example, reserving time slots, or maybe, like I said, we're going to do smaller groups and maybe we do a group for, you know, Hey, maybe this dorm goes on this day. Right. And we have to do more frequent, smaller events, but we will continue to do those things and make sure that we're practicing, obviously, safe and healthy habits and processes. But I think for us, it's very much about, once again, making it convenient for them, making sure that they're engaged and, you know, they want to be able to do that too. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I also came across just briefly some article headlines. I don't remember the source, but it claimed Gen Z is killing fast fashion because they care so much about um, sustainability and their, their core values aligning with products they purchase, like you mentioned earlier. Do you believe that statement to be true? I mean, I know fashion is a little bit outside of the retail side you're in, but what's your take? Yeah, Gen Z shops in a structured, organized fashion, and and they navigate to merchandise they're looking for. So lifestyle is a big focus for them. So let's say wellness, for example. You know, when they talk about quality, so 45% say they prefer to own fewer but higher quality items. Hmm, Okay, that's significant. Right, right, according to our research. And 38% strongly agree with that price is the most important factor in my purchasing decision, which is down nine ranks from previous surveys, which have been done a number of years ago. So they definitely are shopping for, I think, quality. So value probably is the best phrase to use. For us, it's making sure that we have a variety of different price points depending on what they want. If they want a higher end piece, it could be vineyard vines, right? We also have obviously private label selection that they can purchase from too, that are more value-based pricing. So making sure that we have what they're looking for that's easy to find and that it is presented 
whether it's online or in store in a way that they shop. They, once again, it, that piques their interest. It's based on genre. You know, for example, it's based on category. The way we merchandise, which is called All Things College, is our, is our initiative around that, is to curate cross-merchandise collections based on concept shops. And it could be, we have a pop collection, which is fashion-oriented, or we have a wellness collection. We have a spear collection, obviously. We have a holiday collection when it comes to holiday season. So for us, it's really about keeping that assortment fresh. And once again, our merchandise team is doing a really great job of keeping that fresh. So it's you know really actively, to your point, logistically, making sure you're actively managing your inventory, obviously, refreshing it, and making sure that we maintain a very strong pulse on what they're looking for. And so we're looking at those metrics daily, weekly, monthly. And that's huge. That's huge, Ken, because it sounds like you know so much about your customers. And I think that's so important. I was watching a webinar put on by Valtech and Forrester just the other day, and Nigel Fenwick at Forrester said it's so important for retailers to be customer obsessed versus competitor obsessed. And it sounds like you totally are, and you know exactly what they want, how they shop. Um, like you said, they, they're very strategic. I don't know what the word you used was, but they're very strategic when they go to shop. So is that something, you know, when we look at merchandising, is that something that's difficult because it is a bit localized to the college in terms of what you're carrying? As far as the complexity, yeah, certainly it is. And then that's where, once again, I think our model is very unique in the industry because we are so committed to customizing the experience for each and every campus community. And so the question is, well, you know, how do you do it scale? And so it's a blend of all of the different data points that we have. So we look at certainly national retail trends, you know, beyond just the collegiate landscape. And we're, we're always looking at not just this year's trends, but we're looking out, you know, two or three years too, right, um, in advance. And then we're looking at our collegiate national trends in terms of vis-a-vis, you know, benchmarks. So how is this store or how is this community buying versus other like stores, right, and communities? And then we also look at, the local level. So, you know, at that individual store level. So, and then of course I'm looking at from the marketing side, I'm looking at all our channel data. So are they purchasing directly e-commerce? Are they purchasing through paid social channels as a source? Are they just going to Google search or are they going to an event or what have you? And so we're really looking at all those metrics daily, weekly, monthly and saying, okay, well, where are these shifts happening? And so we really try to stay on top of that. And then, you know, the other piece of it is we have a tiered approach where we have different sizes of schools and, and different sizes of stores, right? And so we can start seeing general trends where you start seeing, okay, well, these types of stores seem to, the merchandise seems to work well. You know, this type of mix seems to work well in this type of, of store. Now, once again, it is customized school by school because every campus is completely different. Obviously, you know, the logos are different, but it's beyond that. It's what their academic mission is, or what are their events on campus. And we try to tap into all of those great things happening on each and every campus, right? So we rely on the store teams to help us with that. At a local level, we meet with the campus partners as well. When I mean the campus partners, I'm talking about the school administration themselves, right? And so there's that piece of input in there. And we try to plan out you know, advance notice as possible to be able to execute effectively on that. And of course, we make adjustments. And in many cases, they entrust us to not just protect their brand, but enhance mm-hmm. their brand. We are part of that that administration in effect and helping them. So you know we're a steward of that and we take that very seriously and we are very committed to 
helping them drive their academic mission and try to be that social academic hub on campus for them. And when you talked about social, you mentioned, um, you know, what channels did they come in through? I like to ask some just broad questions about what's going on in terms of trends. So in your opinion, as the VP of marketing at BNC, do you think influencer marketing is a fad, all hype or real? Ah, great question. Um, In fact, I was talking about it with my team this morning. I think it's real. And we are, I'd say, redoubling our efforts in terms of influencer marketing. And that's not just social, that's referrals. In fact, our student pulse research shows when we look at factors that drive students to shop at the store, from a channel perspective, email actually surprisingly is still by far the number one channel, which you may say, you know, I can, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. You know, a lot of people <laughs> say they see an email, delete, delete, delete. Part of it is, you know, we are an official part of the campus, right? And so when we send an email, it's basically seen as a, an official communication from the college or university. So that is still a major source for us. And we partner very closely not only just on the message, but the cadence to all of the different constituents on campus, whether it's students, parents, alumni, fans, right? The second biggest factor is word of mouth and influencers. So when I say we're investing in that area through you know technology and a platform to say, let's incentivize and hopefully help spread the word about, hey, we've got new arrivals. And so you know, we've done influencer campaigns on a campus by campus level where somebody bought one of the new fashion arrivals and posted on Instagram or whatever it might be, whatever the social media platform is. And then we recirculate that, of course, and, and help promote that. And so engaging, you know, those ambassadors on campus, right, which is you know, definitely a piece also that we are focusing on in terms of an ambassador program. So we're investing in that referrals. So 24% of them said that recommendations from friends are critical. So when I look at the top three, Email is first, as I said, then it's word of mouth and recommendations from friends. So influencer is key. Well, I love your take on that. And it's really interesting to see how it's applied in your scenario, targeting the collegiate population. And I just have one curious question, Ken. I know you sent you said you went to uh, Notre Dame to your alma mater. Are we going to see branded blue and gold face masks throughout the colleges to represent? Yes, yes. You know, it's funny you should say that. That's one of the things that we started working on when, um, you know, as I mentioned, as stores were closed and then we were fulfilling a lot of majority of orders online was what are we going to need to do as we reopen? And masks are definitely going to be logoed. So we are going to have that. And in some cases there, you know, on a case-by-case basis, depending on the, the wants and needs of the campus, we can look at other merchandise as well that may be, you know, PPE oriented. So it's, you know, certainly something that it's interesting. You and I wouldn't be having that conversation six months ago, right? Uh, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> certainly. Um, so we've had to pivot pretty quickly, but that, that is definitely something that we are doing. Very cool. Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining the show today. I learned a lot about Gen Z. You brought some really good recent studies uh, from BNC. And I think it applies to all of retail, really. I don't think, you know, it's, it's just the collegiate population and, um, you know, Barnes and Noble College Bookstore, but any retailer. So thanks for joining. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the time and uh, stay safe and healthy. You too. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com. 